Shalom Uvracha. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Tzarech Ion podcast. I'm Joshua Pfeffer, my co-host. Yitzchak Adlerstein. And today we're going to be hosting Eddie Palay, a very close friend. Um, uh, just to give full disclosure, Eddie Palay's son, Noach Palay, is also my brother-in-law, so we're also family members. That doesn't mean we're going to give Eli Pelea an easy time, but full disclosure. And um, uh, Eli Pelea is both... Because the full disclosure is that you were the matchmaker. You were the Shadchan also. Thank you. I wasn't even going to say that, but thank you. Uh, you're right. That's a full disclosure. Uh, Eli Pelea is both the founder and the chairman of the Haredi Institute for Public Policy for Public Affairs. Uh, he's also the publisher of Mishpacha magazine. And he's certainly somebody that has his finger on the pulse of Haredi society, both here in Eretz Israel, in Israel, but also abroad. So, Eddie, thank you so much for joining us. It's really a pleasure and a privilege to have you on the show. I know that uh, until the time that I had the pleasure of uh, spending uh, an hour or so with uh, Rav Palais, uh, the name Eli Pele meant the guy who's at the top of the list of people on the masthead of Mishpacha. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and that was it. And I think the vast majority of people I know, new in the States and know here, have no idea that he's also a social visionary, that he's somebody who's deeply committed not only to thinking about the future, but has enabled the making of a different future by uh, putting the right minds together in the Haredi Institute for Public Affairs. So the two roles in which he comes to us today really mesh entirely. And we're going to explore what uh, Rav Palais experience in both of those can contribute to our understanding of the events of today and the events of the next few decades. So, so Eli, maybe just as an opening question, you have these two very important bodies, Mishpacha magazine, everyone knows, the Haredi Institute, many people know, I'm certainly very well aware of the publications and so on. Maybe tell us, what's the vision of, of each one of these? What would you like to see Mishpacha magazine bringing to Haredi society here, abroad, wherever? And, and why was there a need? And, and what's the vision of the Institute? How do you uh, see your, your role and the role of these two very central bodies? Um, thank you, and thank you very much for hosting me and giving me the opportunity to share with you and a little bit about um, our vision and some of our activities. Um, for me, uh, the two bodies, the two entities, the publication and the institution is really two ways to address the same issue, which is how we can really address the challenges in the Haredi, in the growing community of the Haredi society in Israel and abroad, with the challenges, especially um, uh, as a community that it's not anymore a small and a minor uh, community, it's becoming a very meaningful uh, part of the Israeli society. So that's the focus of the, uh, uh, the Institute. And going back to, uh, which I told you in the previous conversation, going back to the year 2010, um, Mishpacha over the years saw the role not just to entertain the readers, but also to try to elevate the society. And Mishpacha became a very social oriented publication. So we felt our mission in a society that it's so diverse and there is so many um, different communities and, and lifestyle to try to create a platform 
that enable the Haredi society to come together, to learn from each other, to appreciate each other, and also to, be, to have a courage and a serious discussions about challenges in the Haredi society. And I think this is what made Mishpacha over the years to become so unique uh, and so different in the, in the ecosystem of uh, publications and newspapers in, in Israel, because I don't know how many of your uh, audience are aware, but it's at, at least in Israel, the perception is that a publication should be like the voice of the political party or the voice of the rabbinical leaders of the, 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 the specific community and, and leadership. And when we started Mishpacha almost a, more, a little bit more than 30 years ago, so that was very unique to have a publication that it's not affiliated with any a, a, a segment or any a specific community became like, like the place for uh, unity and, and for the entire society. So that was very, uh, uh, very unique and also sometimes also very challenging because people said, well, what's going on here? You know, we, we know that the publication should be under the supervision and other and should reflect the voice that we want to, to reflect. And what we choose to build the vision of Ishbaha was that there is a need for the entire Torah society, and, and in 2004 also we expanded to our international edition, to the English edition, to have a place where, where the Jewish community, leaders and people can meet and share success, concerns, challenges, learn from each other, and creating one place that the, that the Jewish community can meet and discuss challenges. So that, that's what Mishpacha uh, became over the years, and that was the vision of Mishpacha, this is what made Mishpacha to be very unique. And also- how, how, Maybe just uh, in, in, a, in very briefly, how did you navigate it? It really sounds like a minefield because you know each specific community has its own Das Torah, has its own rabbinic authority. How can you really try to thrash out issues? And sometimes I remember Mishpacha magazine was, I think the first place where you really spoke about, for example, dropouts, people who are off the derech, uh, spoke about um, some of the more emotional needs that were previously really not discussed. But for all these things, we're used to thinking in terms of Das Torah, rabbinic authority, rabbinic decisions. How did you navigate that minefield? Um, a, with a lot of Siata Dishmaya. Uh, that, that's too easy, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 seriously, because I, I, I must be honest and say that from Day one, when I got into this job, which is another long story, which we don't have time right now to discuss about it, I felt that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu put me in this place, so there is some mission, there is some meaning in being in this place. And I felt that what we should do is really to serve the community. So the idea wasn't how we can uh, get the higher rating or to get people to be, uh, um, I don't know, uh, very appreciated uh, 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 the publication is a good publication, we, we always work with a sense of a mission. So that was A. B, we try very much to be also modest enough not to say, okay, we know better than others uh, uh, and we will uh, educate you, or we will tell you what you should do. We said we are humble enough that we will just enable the voices of leaders, Rabbonim, Askanim, people who have what to say, just to let them speak. And that was a big chidush in the Haredi society, but th that wasn't a given that you can allow different voices to be heard. And I think this is something that over time Mishpacha discovered as something that the Haredi society really needed and appreciate, but also in a way, a little bit educated our community 
that yes, there is a room for such a discussion. I think Tsarich Yun is doing today a great job in this, in this field. And I really, as you know, I, I really feel that there is such a need to have an in-depth discussion about challenges. You know, we are, we are a, 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 a vital society that has, have faces challenges and time challenges and modern and, and many other issues. And there is a need to have a discussion. So if you ask me what was the role, the role was A, we don't have an agenda. We're trying to do it in a very sincere way. And we have to be modest enough to respect So one of the rules that we got from our rabbinical board was that we see ourselves as meaning we are not replacing or we are not trying even to challenge that Torah. Whenever an issue is discussed and takes is taken care of by Gdole Israel, so we took a step back. We said, okay, if it's taken care of already, so we, we, we don't have what to say. But there is so many issues, daily life issues of, of as you said, uh, 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 emotional issues, education, uh, kids at risk and others that till we uh, uh, pick up the, 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 the challenge, it wasn't really discussed, discussed enough. And we felt that this is where there is a room to, to bring it to the, to the public discourse and to the awareness of sometimes from some leaders. But again, always the rule was once this topic is taken care of by the Gidoyle, once they have a say about what should we, so this is where we should take a step back and said, okay, these are our leaders and we don't have what to say. But it still left us enough room to deal with so many other issues as well. So Rebelli, I, I understand entirely what you're saying about the dynamic here in, in Israel and why there was pushback and why I still walk into certain homes and ask them if they have mishpacha and they say, no, we don't allow that in our home. But I'm curious as to why that would happen in the United States as well. I can go into communities and two Svarim stores a block away from each other. One will not and will be quite vocal about it. We don't carry that. And the other one has piles of them that they're selling like hotcakes. Now, in America, there was no expectation that a publication should be the voice of a particular political party or a particular or a particular gado. And yet there was and there continues to be a significant uh, pushback. I think one of the one of the questions by now that uh, I'm surprised in, in America, people don't they, oh, we yeah. don't have Mishpacha magazines. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's one of these things that you use to judge a family when you're making Shaduchim. Do you no get way. Mishpacha or you do not get Mishpacha? You know, that's, <laughs> it'll tell you something about, the, about, about their openness or their api, level of api courses. You know, um, why 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 do we get the same reaction in America? where the dynamic would seem to be different. Um, it, it's very interesting. And, and when we, when we uh, decided to start with the English Mishpacha, it came from a big need from the market. It wasn't, we didn't initiate the need. We got a lot of uh, uh, um, requests from the market over years. So I just want to share with you that uh, before I started the English, like it took me like a year to go uh, uh, to make some uh, visits and trips and to meet with people and, and experts and Rabonim to learn the market before making the decision whether there is a room for it and if there is a room what exactly should be our our niche in this field and in one of my trips I joined a delegation of big uh, Balebatim, Choshuve Balebatim with the leadership of Matisio Salomon and Refival Cohen, the big the famous poisek from uh, uh, Badei Shulchan 
And we went on a trip to Russia to some Jewish communities. That was for me another way and experience to meet and to learn uh, 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 the, the community, their, 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 their uh, um, priorities and, and challenges and, and et cetera. And when I introduced myself to Revival Cohen, uh, he said, ah, you are Eli Palais. You know how long I was trying to get hold of you? He said, I came, uh, once I came to your office, it was like a year or two years uh, before that he was in Eretz Yisrael and he came to the Mishpacha office and he wanted to speak to the publisher. And I, I, I apologize, but the secretary didn't know what this American, uh, I don't know, Rob, or who wants to speak to Eli Palais. Probably I wasn't there and nothing happened. And he said, I came to you because I want to ask you that you should do the same work that you are doing in Eretz Yisrael with Mishpacha, you should do the same in America. We need something like this in America. So I asked him, Rebbe, what's, what's needed? What, what's missing? And he said, Mishpacha, uh, uh, A, we, are, we, we, we need a high level journalism for the Haredi society. Meaning one of the needs, and I think this is obvious maybe, one of the main needs of having a kosher publication is A, to replace the non-kosher. You know, today we all grew up with, with knowing that it's, you have so many options and variety of, of uh, opportunities for someone who wants to look for kosher entertainment or kosher reading materials, but that wasn't the case. And what they felt is that today, even though that was, you know, Yated Neeman, the Jewish press was still at that time, Hamodia, um, uh, but they felt that there is a need, A, to a high quality magazine, and B, what he told me, that Mishpacha have a certain voice that they would like to see. So if you ask me, yes, the American publications wasn't affiliated with the political, even that Hamudia and Yated in a way was that, uh, that Pini Lifshitz was more affiliated with the Lakewood and Veleshve and the Yeshivish world and Hamudia was affiliated with the Guda, but more with the Hasidic orient, orientation. But the, the added value of, of our publication that dealing with issues like kids abuse, like divorce, that wasn't, the, the, the publications were still very, very conservative. And I think what, what Refival wanted to say is that there is, we need some serious and professional publication because there is such a need in, in, in the community. And so even though that maybe it wasn't the same need as in Israel, but the same voice of Mishpacha, A, enabling a discussion in, in the society, respecting different Rabbonim, that, and, and, and educating our kids and our families that yes, even though that you have your own robot, you should respect other Talmud Chachomim as well. I think this is what was needed at that time. And, uh, and I think over time, Mishpacha really created a standard both in Israel and in America and abroad that almost all the publications are imitating, which we are happy, this style of this way of journalism in the Haredi society. Meaning journalism, not just about reporting about the Moyetzes and the Aguda Convention. Uh, uh, journalism is not just all about foreign uh, news. It's also dealing with the inner challenges in the Haredi society. Even, even in the structure of the newspaper, the way that Mishpacha brought in the different supplements, I see that everyone has copied that model. And now each one of the newspapers, even the very traditional ones, have the same model, the same structure of the newspaper with the supplements. Uh, yeah, special magazine for women. That was a big chiddush. That's right, it was real chiddush. Absolutely. Are you going to do the same thing with an online presence? Because nowadays, if you spoke about providing an alternative, so today I guess the real challenge is to provide an online alternative. Are you going to go in that direction? Um, 
I, I must admit that this is a challenge that we didn't resolve, resolve yet. On one way, we're so happy with, as Rav Edelstein mentioned, that almost there ain't bais Almost in every family, you can see mishpacha on the Shabbos on the table. Uh, so this is the way I'm also serving your view about who reads mishpacha. But but Baruch Hashem, you know, I, I invited a Choshevet Dayan from the Eidah Haredis last week for Pidyan Aben that we made for our grandson, one of the leading rabbonim in the Eidah Haredis, and I introduced myself. And then he asked me, are you connected to Rav Noach Palei, which is my brother? And I said, yes, why the Rav is asking? And he said, because, you know, I'm reading his column on a weekly basis. It's such a good work. He speaks about education, kids at risk, which shows that, that and I think this is what I'm so proud in our society. You're proud to be Noach Palei's brother. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I'm so proud to be Noach Palei's brother. Uh, and, and what I'm trying to say that, I think we were, uh, over time, we learned that there is a way with all the diversity in the Haredi society, with all the different uh, uh, communities and segregation that each community has as their own schools and their own chadorim and their own yeshiva, still people are trying to see, okay, but I would like to be connected to something more, uh, something bigger. I agree, it's an art, needs a lot of Saturday Shmaya. There is some trial and error. Sometimes we are doing mistakes, sometimes we have, we're, we're not sensitive enough, but I think the key role is that we should respect Talmidei Chachomim no matter to which camp they belong to. I think this is the key of what we are trying to bring in Mishpacha and, and over time also became a, a part of the brand of Mishpacha. So we, we need to get to the Institute, but let me just ask one final question about Mishpacha magazine because then I have Oh, come on. Um, okay, so I'll make mine very brief and that is, how do you handle cases in which there are there's some kind of a, a circumstance that requires, you know, a certain maybe criticism or maybe rethinking? For example, the current Corona crisis that we're going through, where there has been a lot of internal criticism also of the handling within different elements of Haredi society. Do you completely avoid those issues, or do you, are you willing to take those on and say yes, we need to? kind of reflect on our own ability to contain, to treat, to handle such a crisis? It's, 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 it's a good example. And, and going back to what I said what I said before, A, we addressed these issues very seriously several times. We had a cover, cover that was uh, uh, addressing the issue that there is many people who are not taking seriously enough the, the, the instructions about how to be careful and et cetera which create a lot of, of, uh, of uh, voices and, and, and feedback in the society and also in the general media. Uh, the issue of Hadorim, we, we, have, we have now a, an opinion column that my son is the editor and, and, and that opinion column, we develop it because we felt that there is a need for a deeper discussion. Uh, uh, and, and one of the guests in this column was uh, Rabbi Avi Pinzel, that is the head of the union of the Hadorim who was trying to explain and the complication and, and, and trying to bring, okay, it's not just about us and them, or are we, we don't take care. He, he was very serious trying to explain the guidance he got from Chaim Kanievsky, Gedoy Israel. at the same time saying that if we would have been more careful, so maybe less yeshivas and chadorim have to be shut down, meaning people who are not serious enough in, 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 in listening to the rules, they are uh, people that, that this is their fault. 
On the other hand, I said, we never see our role to try once, the, as I said, once there is a decision that's made by Gedoyle Israel, we don't, doesn't belong to this kind of journalism today that we should say, ah, as you know, it's Heverman, Yankee's friend, he was against Moti Palais. This is really not the style that we are doing. We don't believe that this is a real journalism. And, and, and as I said, I, I think that as, at the end of the day, as a community, the base role, the base value that we have to educate our generation, our kids, is at the end of the day, we have Gdoyle Toro. And once there is a decision by Gdoyle Toro, no, nobody, including journalists, is, have, the, have the right to try to analyze what made Reb Chaim to say so, and it has to do with the relationship between the grandson and the other grandson. You know, I, I think. You will, but you will bring different opinions of different Gedele Torah and say, he said this and he said this, and, and, th and this is how different communities are behaving according to their Gedele Torah. I, I will share with you just one example. Uh, um, in general, the voice of Mishpacha was very trying really to create more awareness and taking seriously the, the challenges. But when uh, uh, the Belzer Rebbe uh, uh, in, the, in the Torah, you know, after Yontev, he has like an event that he gives his, and he said something about it, we quote it in the magazine because we are, we are not going to censor a leader like in the- right. in I'm censored it. I know that some newspapers censored it and they, and they refrained from quoting it because they were slightly, they felt awkward about it. But again, that goes back to the rule I said, you have to be modest enough to know that when the Belzer Rebbe is saying something, who are you to decide that Ah, but it's, it's no, the Belzer Rebbe, it's irresponsible. No, if the Belzer Rebbe say, then we're a publication. So let's people hear what the Rebbe have to say, and each one have to ask his Rebbe what he should do. I, I'd like to flesh out something, Rebelli, that you alluded to before. We've, we've talked about sort of two levels that Mishpacha was, was important. One, in creating a kind of unity by having, bringing together different voices and introducing other parts of the community to voices they don't know about. Uh, and uh, a, a, a second level of engaging social issues that others refuse to. But there's a third dimension, which I have at times thought is the single most important contribution of Mishpacha. Sociologists talk about in any society, there being high culture and low culture. In the West, high culture meant a bunch of books that you're not allowed to read anymore because they reflect white privilege. And low culture meant sports, and pop then music, music, pop music, and uh, maybe uh, some kinds of, uh, of dramatic uh, presentations. Uh, and sociologists thought these were important, uh, or at least they were there in every stable society. In Torah society, there was never any question that high culture meant Torah and Torah Lishma, and that's never going to be replaced. The question is, was there ever a low culture? And it seems at times in history, low culture was kind of, you know, the world of less formal Jewish people found divrei Torah, Shashuai, they could entertain themselves, to use the word, and never leave the base medrash, as it were. Now, Mishpacha had, has filled in a gap, which we didn't talk about because we didn't notice that there was such a, a, a need, except for a five-fold tone who you mentioned, that is that society seemed to need their pop music and their drama. And when they do, they become more social, they become more socially self-reliant. And Mishpacha had a tremendous uh, contribution to that, to the point that we're nowhere near, in a, at least in American Haredi society, 
to where they where we were when I grew up, where you you had to kind of if if your rebbe said at a certain amount a week is okay, you had to go elsewhere to find it. We don't have to go outside. Now that's mm-hmm. both great as a source of peace in the community, but it's also a potential source of isolationism. If I don't have to go out at all, then I can have my own Daladamos and even develop a certain sense of gaiva. And who are these outsiders to interfere with our life? And we're not going to listen to anything they have to say. So I'd like you to comment on entertainment. That's a word that didn't exist in the vocabulary of Haredi Jews 100 years ago. But now it's it's kind of recognized as a need. Is that kosher? Uh, I'm very happy that you you uh, raised this this topic. And uh, again, I must say that I didn't feel ever that that was an agenda. But once we wanted to real to reflect the real life, so automatically what happened that mishpacha enabled the phenomenons and the trends that happening in the Haredi society in a kosher way, which includes literature, which includes education, which includes uh, um, music, to became part of the of the real life. Because again, we as mishpacha were trying to be reflecting the life without censoring the real life and trying to show, and I always, when I'm talking today about people about the Haredi society, and especially in Israel, so people see, when they're looking at the Haredi, mostly they see them through, either they're going to the army or not, or are they working or not working, poor or not poor. And I said, it's such a, a, a vital society, vital society, there is fashion and there is literature and there is music and, and there is business and there is entrepreneurs. There is so much going on. Just flip through the pages of Mishpacha and you will see so many different kinds of businesses and initiatives which show that this is a very uh, uh, live society. The things are happening and we, Baruch Hashem, were able to really build a healthy society that can sustain their their own their own needs in, in, in a kosher and good way. And I agree, this is really a big accomplishment. And that takes me, I have a few more minutes and maybe we should try to set oh, up. Cool. We'll be happy to hear uh, uh, Rebelli, of course. Lead, lead us through. So what happened? Mishpachai is doing great. You're the biggest publication in Haredi society in, in Israel, abroad, everywhere. And yet you do something completely different. You established this institute, which is a completely different cup of tea. What what brought you to this? What need did you feel uh, this institute has to come to meet to fulfill? Mm-hmm. So, so following what I just mentioned right now, I said the Haredi society in the micro level is managing very well. You know, there is there is initiative, there is businesses going on, there is different kind of community models and financial models that working very nice in the Haredi society. But at that point that the Haredi society, the Haredi segment in Israel becoming like a significant part of the society, there is also a need to address the macro challenges. Meaning just the issue, how we can sell books, you know, Blois is putting next to the, the shul and you can find the book and it works very well. And now there is an initiative who sells cakes next to the shul, that works. But how as a community that we are part of the Israeli economy and the Israeli future, how we envision our role and our participations with the sensitivity that on one hand, Haredi by definition is being isolated, segregated. We we want to keep some kind of distance between us and the rest of the society, but we don't have the luxury anymore to say, okay, so we are staying aside and things will happen. And this is the moment I just, I mentioned about the economy that I felt 
that it's a, for me it's a continuation of the work of Mishpacha, but to take it from the micro level of the Haredi life to the macro level of the Haredi life and asking the question, and this is needs definitely different tools and different uh, skills to address the issue, but it's the same issue. How we as a society, as, 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 a, as a society who is growing and developing, we perceive ourselves as part of the Israeli challenges in what way we can take part of the challenges uh, without giving up our values. And that was the challenge because till when I came into this field was few Israeli think tank and, 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 and research institutions, they were trying to work on solving the Haredi problem. Okay, so Haredi was a problem. And now you have experts that are trying to say, okay, what can we wake with this ignorance, with these poor people to try to make them normal? So that was the, the, the agenda behind it. And also they were very, very uh, uh, lacking a real understanding and knowledge, not just appreciation of the Haredi culture and Torah lifestyle, but also a real knowledge. So you can come with ideas. I'm always telling people that, you know, the, to resolve the Haredi problem in Israel is very simple. All they have to do is to teach their kid the, the, the secular science. They have to go to Yeshiva high school. They have to go to the army to a Haredi unit and then going to university and going to work and staying Haredi and we solve all the problems. I said, okay, now let's start to talk. Okay, that's, that's great. Meaning our, our um, argument is that Haredi society definitely needs to do some adjustments or at least to understand the, 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 the broader ecosystem to see what they can, how can they fit and what can they contribute uh, to the general society. But that doesn't mean that they have to, to be different. We believe the opposite. We have such a crucial role in the future of the Jewish people. We believe, and this, if you ask me what was my motivation to get into this field, I believe that we are facing now a very challenging time in terms of assimilation, in terms of the majority of the Jewish people are in one or two generations are losing their, their connection to their Jewish identity. I believe that the Haredi and the Torah society, not just Haredi, the Haredi and the, and the, and the Zionist religious Torah society, the YU Torah, the, the, but, but the, the Torah observant have a crucial role in impacting the Jewish people in the Jewish future. But we can do it by being perceived as poor, nebby, uh, egoistic uh, uh, society. We should bring our values and power and knowledge and, and, and talent to the public discourse, to the Jewish peoplehood, trying to be um, uh, trying to be proactive in terms of what is our solutions. I'll give you just one example because again, I'm short in time. Um, there is the big debate of the big fight between Haredim and non-Haredim regarding academia, okay? In the general world, you know that if you really want to create uh, social mobility, you want to create uh, people that can really uh, get a decent amount of, of, of income, so you have it go together with an academic degree, which I'm not arguing, this is the fact, it's true. The problem is that in Israel, academic is not just a training to give you a better skills for the work, it also has some agenda, some values, some Western values that we Haredim are opposing, okay? We Haredim are raising our kids and our uh, 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 daughters in a way that we want to make sure that they, their core values will be different than academia. Over the years, 
it was only one way, meaning either you are going to academia or you will stay poor. And we're saying why, why it's this way? Why our daughters in seminaries cannot get the better training, vocational training and education in an academic level without going to academia? So one of the big projects that we did at the Mahon, working together with the Ministry of Finance, Ministry of Education, is trying to put to bring together experts and trying to analyze what really is needed for the for the market uh, 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 the, the, the marketplace, the, the, the work field in Israel, the technology, what it's really needed, and how we, without changing our values and without changing the education, can really not just helping our families to make more money also contributing to the Israeli economy, to the Israeli high-tech uh, ecosystem, et cetera. So that in general was the mission to try to address the macro level challenges, understanding how the, the, the government is operating, understanding how macroeconomy works and see what we as a society that have so much to contribute to the spiritual part of the Jewish future also can contribute and becoming relevant to the day-to-day -day life of the Israeli society. Uh, amazing, first of all, really, uh, you know, uh, uh, this is about the future, not just of the Haredim, it's about the future of everyone. Uh, and I know we're, we're, we're coming to a close. So let me just ask you one, one, one final question from my side. Maybe Revitzkov will add something else. But right now, we are in a time of, I think, great tension, meaning a, a, a time that it's, it's a tough time to go through obviously on a public and private level, but also in terms of the relationship between Haredi society and everyone else. It's, you know, whenever you have situations like these, when each community has its own responsibilities, so the tensions are, the tensions are raised. I just want to ask you, how do you see this playing out? How do you see this going forward? You know, from the point of view of many of the non-Haredi people in Israel, they want the Haredim to be like them, you know, to, to be a part of the economy, to be a part of the army, to have education and so on. Haredim say, no, no, we, we want to be as, as we are. Uh, and in a certain sense, we want our own autonomy. And that's really been very much expressed in this COVID time. How do you see this playing out? What, what does the future hold in this sense? No, so it's, it's required a long discussion and I will be happy to do it next time. But I'll just say, that the methodology of the way we are working is really to resolve this problem. Meaning, yes, there is, by the way, the reason why there is such attention because people are not just looking about what's the most efficient solution, practical solution, because it's a fight about identity. So we Haredim are threatening the Zionist identity because we have an alternative identity and vice versa. And the problem that I find, even when I'm talking to top people in the government, I'm talking about professionals, it's very hard for them to distinguish between dealing with the challenge and trying to bring your own uh, agenda and et cetera. So we were lucky to have around the table in our institution, you see on the back, on, on my, behind me, the CEO of the Mahon, He's a, he was a senior, uh, um, he was in a senior position, in the prime minister office, a professional, secular professional who came from the government and have a lot of experience working together Haredim and non-Haredim and trying to say, leave aside the narratives, leave aside for a moment, which is important. We should continue to fight about narratives, about identity. I think it's great and, and very beneficial. Don't worry, we'll carry on, don't worry. We'll continue. But once we're sitting around the table to try to, 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 to define a solution, let's be practical. If you 
have a shortage of engineers in the high tech, don't tell me how we can change the Haredi yeshivas. Tell me, what do you need? Do you need X amount of engineers? Okay, we have girls who are willing to become top experts. So let's see what have to be done. And this is what we're trying to contribute to this challenge, trying to come with the practical solutions and leave aside the, the agenda and the narratives. Okay. Um, Ravelli, like, like you said, there's so much more to speak about. We'll leave it for next time. So thank you very, very much for joining us. I think this was a great opportunity for our viewership to not only see you in a different light, but to give chizuk to a lot of people out there who are, who, who are so desperately needing to hear just this kind of vision. And who knows, maybe in the fourth uh, year of Shtisel, <laughs> you will replace Shulam Shtisel <laughs> and present a different view. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody.